In the second half of the show, we'll explore the history of each location, the story of the Great America in each city and town along our route. What does it mean to be a Great America on the local level? Was it when a city prospered? When a new business came to town? During a time of civil unrest? Before Western civilization arrived? Resident historian Tom Przelski is here to tell us what made this place great. Tom Przelski is a Tucson native whose family roots in southern Arizona extend back to the 18th century. He worked for both the Pasquayaki tribe and the Tohono O'odham Nation before serving three terms in the Arizona House of Representatives. He was the Pima County historian, and his writings on Arizona history, politics, and culture have appeared in multiple publications. He is the author of California Lancers, the first battalion of Native cavalry in the Far West, 1863 to 1866. More importantly, Tom is our resident historian. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Laura. In which time period was it a great America in Las Vegas? Well, of course, the era that everyone points back to is between 1946 and 1980, when it Las Vegas became the entertainment capital of the world and and got this outsized place in popular thinking in the United States. What made it great? Yeah, Las Vegas is one of the strangest cities in America. It had this long-standing reputation for vice that went back to the early 20th century when they were already calling it Sin City. After World War II, Bugsy Siegel brought in a lot of investment from organized crime into Las Vegas. That's when Las Vegas expanded tremendously with a lot of investment in in its tourism industry and its entertainment industry, gaming, they were careful to say gaming and not gambling. And then, of course, the attention from nationally famous people like uh, Liberace, Frank Sinatra. And so this kind of generated a lot of stories about the place, a lot of the mystique about the place, and was what people now still have a lot of nostalgia for that era, an era kind of of, of actually a lot of entrepreneurship. Those big casinos were actually kind of owned by individual entrepreneurs who just came in, had a dream, and then were able to invest and, and create something. And that was the reputation the town had. Who was included in that great America? Well, the big thing was, of course, it was very entrepreneurial, as I said. And there was this mystique of uh, a special kind of 50s and 60s cool that was associated with the place. So it was very, we'll just say very male-oriented, in some ways very white, but we'll talk about that in a bit because that actually gets very complicated and, and very significant to its history. But the place was represented to middle class and upper middle class Americans who were newly affluent enough to travel this special sort of freedom, this libertine vibe about the place. And that was a large part of its mystique and its economy. Who was excluded from that great America? As I alluded to before, it was a city with some real problems. The local government was quite corrupt and quite weak. It was also quite divided. There were uh, jurisdictional issues. There are still parts of Las Vegas that are officially other cities, kind of cities that were incorporated for the benefit of of business owners. And it was very difficult sometimes to make political, social, and economic progress in the town because the local government was so corrupt and so divided. The other issue was segregation. The political leadership in Las Vegas largely wanted the town to be segregated. There was a notion that that's what made a clean 
progressive city was to segregate. The business community led by the casinos and led, strangely enough, by Frank Sinatra, very much wanted to not segregate. That was because the organized crime figures and the people associated with them were largely Jewish and Italian, and they had no patience for the culture that segregation came out of. And this was their way of kind of asserting themselves against that was to desegregate. So you had this strange conflict of the the business community wanting to desegregate and the political leadership really dragging their feet on it. And a lot of what made that start to crack was union organization. The culinary workers remain one of the most powerful labor unions in the West because they were desegregated and they were able to create a coalition that basically toppled the leadership in the town. How does that tie into current day? Well, you started having corporate investment in the town in the late 60s and through the 70s. And that really kind of ended the, that old era of those you know, casinos and organized crime, the casino magnets. The symbolic end is with the MGM hotel fire when people started really saying, hey, wait a minute, we've got to fix local government. People remain very nostalgic about that era, but the city is very much forward thinking and very much corporate driven. We don't talk about the sands and those places anymore. We talk about the MGM and and these billionaire casino moguls. That culture, which is still very much part of Las Vegas's identity, is largely in the past. Uh, Las Vegas is now very slickly marketed. It's not at all the same. But the political leadership in the town is largely something that comes from that era and comes from the notion of desegregation and reform that was seeking to change some of the things that weren't working for people in those days. But still, the character of Las Vegas, the reason why we know where Las Vegas is, is because of what happened in that time. Well, Tom, thanks again. It's great to have you on the show. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to In Search of the Great America. Today's episode had music by Valentin Sochnitsky. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. For show notes and more information on the podcast, please visit our website, greatamericaproject.com. Thank you.